Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Rob. Oh, hi. Um, I'm Rob. And Mike. <laughs> hi. I'm Mike. And lastly, Dirk. I'm Jed. He's not Jed. I'm Jed. There can only be one Jed. Don't give me an existential crisis. Um, and today's episode will be a listener questions episode because... You guys have sent in a metric ton of questions here that have really piled up. Uh, so thank you to everybody who's been emailing those into me. That's the best way to get your questions into the show. If you email wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com. Um, I, I read all those personally. And sometimes I also reply as well as put them into our listener questions bank. Um, yeah, we, we have a lot of listener questions here. So we're going to try to get through as many of them as we can. This may need to be a two-parter. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you for your questions. We need, do we need our fingers on a buzzer to answer? uh no not really that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> um to start off we have a question from am crenshaw how to write strong memorable imagery um especially in fantasy or any speculative fiction involving strange worlds oh that's a that's a good one hmm. uh, I, I actually don't know the answer um what <laughs> i like to do is uh find a sort of sideways or oblique uh, means of putting what's in my head in your head uh, and a, a straight up description uh, tends That's not scary. to achieve that. Um, but if I can find that sideways thing that, um, you know, instead of describing the smell as sour, you know, it'll be splintered or something, you know, it's just looking for different ways of, of creating imagery without just uh, relying on, you know, a simple description of the imagery uh but yeah it's i mean obviously you can't just do that there's you know it's it's a balance of looking for those beautiful moments uh where your prose clicks and you know it works and then moments of 
just, you know, sort of workhorse, you know, the stone was black. Because you can't always yeah. be. Yep. Was it sometimes, a black stone hot? Sometimes it's just dark. Yep. Sometimes it's scenario. Oh, or obsidian. <laughs> it's that a lot. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So is that kind of, when you talk about finding um, like a sideways method to inject what's in your brain into the reader's brain are you kind of trying to find i suppose the familiar within the strange to describe it so like a lot of readers probably haven't been i guess like walking across some sort of you know like wasteland trying to piece together their you know soul um or i hope they haven't haven't been but there's little details and, and moments within something like that where you can kind of maybe relate it to like, I don't know, a road trip that they've been on for quite a few days and like the feeling of maybe not having showered for, for quite a few days or something like that. Is that sort of what you're trying to do? You're trying to latch onto those familiar details to then get a bit of believability from the readers so that then when you describe that this portal smells like sulfur or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, well, this other thing was accurate. So this should be as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, to, to some degree, I guess, sometimes, sometimes you go in that direction. Um, Actually, the other thing is, uh, is uh, I'm pretty sure we've all talked about this before, but um, it's just involving all of the senses. Just going to say mm -hmm. that. Yeah, great point. Rather than just giving a sort of a visual description, it's like, how does it smell? How does the wind feel on your skin? Mm -hmm. You know, and looking for new ways to, uh, to say that. Because like mm -hmm. everyone knows, you know, what a dry wind feels like. And you can say, oh, it was a dry wind. Mm -hmm. But so what? That's boring, right? But if you start talking about the grit of sand in the teeth and, you know, what it's doing to your skin and stuff, I, that's, you're, now you're sort of, it's becoming more interesting. Ground it in the little details of the senses rather than just sort of an overview. Yeah, you don't want to, I mean, I've read books that, that's, that, that have, you know, the color, the, 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 the temperature, the smell, the air, and, and, you know, every one of them sets up a scene like that. And um, I do some fancy setups um, and I like fancy try the poetic. And sometimes it's just the sun has risen and it's hot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and also hot. there were two suns because we're doing the, the, the air is hot and wet. The wind is hot and wet. You know, sometimes it's like that. But put some poetry in it, Dirk. Well, some broke free of the horizon. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Clawing some its way stars. towards the zenith. Well, sometimes I do hey, that, you, you know. But but then uh, it's funny because I when I, I kind of have realized that when I get tired of writing that stuff, um, I'm imagining that the reader might be tired of reading that stuff. <laughs> um, so I'll skip, I'll skip it for a couple chapters and then go back into that kind of stuff for, for more impactful scenes or things like that. Coming from a film background, I visualize all my scenes. And then um, I'm very much uh, a sense and visual person. So I, I just put myself there in the place of the character or in the place of the omniscient eye and try to see what does it what does it smell like what does it feel like what's the what would be the immediate reaction to going in there and reading mike's books um you were talking about finding the familiar and the strange mike does more of a find the strange and the familiar um <laughs> in, and i mean seriously in yeah, a lot no, of that's his, a cool way of looking at it. and i and i love that and uh, i'll try to do that too 
I'll try to point out that I mean, you've got to have the familiar so people can get into it quickly, but, but it is always fun to, to insert something every once in a while that's like, oh, yeah, that place might be like that. It mm. might smell like that. It might feel like that. It might give you that shiver. It might do this or to, yeah, to find something that's, I love, I love uh, authors that do that sort of thing. Zelazny was of course a master uh, of that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, I put myself in it and I see it in 3D, um, like place trying to place a camp cameras and then i place cameras honestly i uh not consciously but uh in my head i'm placing cameras and i'm describing what's in that frame um but then i can go outside of that with um with you know uh feel um smell taste um things like that so hearing what's what's mm. going on in the background you know um so yeah that's, okay. that's all a large I do it. A large part of my uh, scene setting writing uh, is done with my eyes closed, oh, uh, just to to sort of separate myself from you know my office, um, and so I could just like fully lose myself in 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 the imagination, you know, in in sort of what I'm what I'm seeing. What are you what are you cackling at there, Rob? Ice cream van outside. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so listen to you, and all I've got it like coming out the window through the window is just. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Well, you put that in the scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> the horse-drawn cart trundled by with the ice cream uh, jumbling the hurdy, in merry the, her, the, the hurdy gurdy man. The hurdy gurdy man. Um, yeah. That's a cool selling ice cream. I've actually tried doing that like next time. Everything Fletcher said last because. You know, couldn't hear you over the ice cream van. You missed I, I, probably I the best it. moment of this podcast. Yeah, ever. I know. It's all downhill from there. Let's be real. Um, no, that's a cool idea. Basically, what Mark was saying is that, like, he would, when he's writing and trying to visualize the scene, he closes his eyes and, and just think about it that way so he's not distracted by what's going on around him. I'm going to try that. That's like, an really cool <laughs> like an ice cream van. Like an ice cream van. You know, um, somebody, like, somebody like Sanderson, who's, who admits that he's a very workmanlike. Um, writer he comes up with poetic stuff he just doesn't use poetic words mm. and um and uh uh whereas the opposite of that would be uh like like rothfuss who will spend two paragraphs describing the exact darkness yeah. in the room um which uh which again, is cool as well of, which again a lot of people love mm. unfortunately um for me i get a little tired of of, of it every single time no i love it Describe yeah, to I me know. how there's three silences in this in. Oh, so good. And then do yeah, it at yeah. the start of the second book all over again. I, I'm being genuine here. Yeah. I actually really like it. Oh, that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Obviously, a whole lot of people do. Um, it's also a lot of work. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, and it's why, that's, if you look at the, the real output, reason, the real reason I don't do it very often is it's a lot of work. There's a scene where I describe the view uh, from a character that's flying of kind of the moors uh in a in an area of of england and a forest and the hills and the the way the moonlight shines down and i spent just god-awful amounts of time on that because i wanted to write something i thought might be pretty and um some pe people really really love it but i don't do it as much uh in the in books two and three of the paternus series mm. um mostly because i was i mean i think the story has started to really 
kick in in it and I needed to set it up much more quickly and get things going. I also don't describe the character's physicality, which is extremely important, I, I think. So that's why I have these lengthy descriptions of characters physicality um, because uh, I felt that it grounds them in like a real physical concrete sense um, but I don't do it nearly as much in, in the next books because people get the idea it's like okay the readers okay we have the idea they're real um, <laughs> stop explaining so much so and also I just get tired of it <laughs> yeah I think to wrap this question up because we do need to get onto um, the other ones I think for me the big change came when I was thinking consciously about incorporating all of those five senses into it because you genuinely are using predominantly visual stuff particularly when you start out writing you're like this thing looks like this this thing looks like that maybe a little bit of sound but definitely when you can dig into the smells the tastes and the touch of your world those three senses don't exist in film so that's a unique advantage that writers have over other types of mediums is that ability to, to describe how things are smelling or, or feeling or whatever. Um, and I know that Joe Abercrombie has mentioned on his blog that he actually has a dedicated editing pass where he goes back through his manuscript and he tries to punch up all of the sensory and setting details in there. So in a first draft, I might have just said it's snowing, but then in you know his fourth draft, when he does his pass, he might say like how the snow is turning to this muddy slurry on the ground and the main character is like slipping in it and his nose is like run red and ragged by having to wipe it constantly because he's sniffling from a cold and really gets into those details so that's yeah. something i've done in the past which has been such a fun exercise because you don't have to worry about anything important in your story you're just trying to make it feel more immersive um, yeah just keep, keep going with the story and the plot and just get that out and yeah get that that's the important stuff later um, i would say I yeah be careful not to over describe things you know rely on people's experience you know mm. if you're just yeah like Fletcher said earlier like if, if you say like a dry wind people have experienced that they they, yeah. they know what it is so you can mm -hmm. you know kind of you can get yeah. away with some some descriptions you can still create a nice vivid image but it doesn't have to be a really lengthy one because people know what you're talking about they yes. they have that in their mind they don't need you to explain every bit of it Okay, sorry, one more thing. Uh, very important that gets forgotten by, um, uh, by a lot of early writers, including me when I was earlier on, is the, what's more important than the description is the character's reaction to the environment. Absolutely. Um, yes. So just describing it is, is, is not helpful unless it has some effect <clears throat> on, on the characters themselves. Um, like if it's hot and balmy, you need to have the characters reacting to that, right? If it's freezing cold, they need to react like that. You don't just say it's freezing cold and they, get, uh, they just continue doing what they're doing. And what I think Dirk is also getting at there is that how your world is described will actually be a really useful tool for characterizing something. So if you have a character who grew up in some freezing cold Siberian wilderness or whatever, and they're in this, you know, swelteringly hot conditions, they're probably going to be reflecting on how different that is to their childhood and where they grew up, as opposed to the character who maybe grew up in a desert and is like, yeah, this is normal weather. Um, mm. And just by how your characters are, what they're focusing on in the environment around them and how they're thinking about it is going to be able to show so much of their personality. So that's a really good point as well. 
Don't have um, them complain about the cold too much. I had that. <laughs> like, I had a character, right in Spirits of Vengeance, I had a character yeah. who doesn't like the cold and the whole thing set in the snow and he's just constantly oh, no. complaining. And my, my sister came back and went, too we get cold. it, enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> we get it. You live in England where it's freezing. You don't have to make everyone else who's reading your book feel the It's same never day. freezing in England. It's never <laughs> it freezing for me. in England. It not anymore. Doesn't... It used to be. It, we used to have, it used to be cold, man, but not anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Now all the it factories have made it warm. The Shire has been industrialized. Yay. Um, little Lord of the Rings reference there for you. Uh, right. next, next question. question. Moving along. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. Bing, thanks bing, 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 bing. Well, I can't believe Mike is the voice of uh, order. In the oh, show. I know. What have we come to? <laughs> this next one is pretty simple. Uh, I'm just curious if you guys have a different answer to what I'm expecting. Paul D. Nolan, who has asked previous questions on the show, asks, what software do you guys use for writing? Scrivener? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm all in Word these days. I used to use LibreOffice because it was uh, awesome and free. Mm -hmm. uh, but I find Word plays better with, uh, with my OneDrive account. And because I had the OneDrive account for cloud storage, uh, I got the complete Office suite included with that for whatever it is, 110 bucks a year or something. So I'm, I'm in Word now. Um, I have learned how to cripple Word to make it actually useful. Um, <laughs> like I, I've reset, uh, I think, my word version thinks it's 2010 or something like that so that it will actually behave correctly <laughs> uh which is annoying i have to it's this 11 year old you know you have to cripple word to make it actually do what it's supposed to do mm -hmm. and we could go into details like but it, it doesn't matter but so yeah i just i just use word and um you know i've been tempted to move to scrivener but uh, just the amount of time to to get myself up know, to speed people, it's people who use macs are they're like vegans <laughs> that, hardly no we are the true heathens see see what i mean yeah yeah this um, is like the first thing you know is that they're vegan they do crossfit and they've got a mac <laughs> and you're like uh, hi, what's your i name? use i use a mac and i don't do any of that other stuff me either how do you get that physique then <laughs> yeah the non non-crossfit um yeah in terms of software i use i i currently use word um I used to use Scrivener and I did find it extremely useful for my first couple of books, just mostly for the ability to basically put up virtual index cards with different scene sketches written on them and then rearrange them so that I could kind of get my head around the, the overall structure for it. But nowadays I just use Word for that and Word has some really good inbuilt outlining features where if you just set up different headings within it, you can basically have a list of um, all of the different components in, say, an outlining document. So I would have, you know, the characters, their goals, different settings, different ideas for scene sketches, and then the, the plot sketches out from that. Um, I have been experimenting a bit with WikidPad, which is like a free open source um, private wiki that you can use um, to create essentially like your own Wikipedia for your story, uh, because the next thing that I'm going to write is probably going to have a lot of continuity stuff in it. So this is a really useful way to just like make sure that you have a database of all the, the characters that you're mentioning and, you know, important details. So their eye color doesn't change between books or so they don't become like a different gender or something like that. Um, which are all things that I have done in the past <laughs> with some of my different drafts. Um, so yeah, but, but mostly just word, uh, I find that really useful. I think software really isn't the main thing that, that holds stories back from being good or bad. Um, Having said that, if a software company wants to pay us millions of dollars to flog their products, then uh, let us know and we'll say I mean, that it, it will. Doesn't, but it, it, like <laughs> software can be really useful for helping yeah. to. Oh, I'm pro writing aid as well. Let's talk about like, it. 
I mean, you, using Scrivener, I, I, I love it because I love being able to, you know, sort of like set each chapter and each scene with its own description and title. So if I need to go back to one, I know where I'm going back to. I can just be yeah. like, oh yeah, it's that, it's that scene. I can just click on it. And also I, I occasionally have to move scenes about like, you know, if I'm writing, when I'm writing the War Eternal series, I have flashbacks and I don't always, they don't always end up where I originally write them. <laughs> so it's really useful yep. like just to be able to move them about and go, right, it fits better in that chapter. Um, yeah, I cut and paste. And I, you know, I yeah. know that I waste time searching and reorganizing once I, because when I type in notes, uh, my brain just goes everywhere. And I then have to like mark them and move them to where they, I know that I waste time doing that, but, um, and I know Scrivener is a lot better for that kind of thing. Also, if you can figure out how to use it, Scrivener is actually really easy to uh, create eBooks on. So yes, yes, I have heard that. And I do need to get that compile them nice and easily. Um, The other thing as well, I do realize another software that I have found useful in the past. I don't use it much very more is pro writing aid, which basically is plugs into Mm -hmm. word or Scrivener. Um, Mm -hmm. And what it does is it allows you to run all these automatic checks that can look for things like over repeated words or coming back to our previous episode about um, imagery. It can actually run through and tell you like what percentage of your descriptions are visual based site. uh, Sorry, visual based, like sound based, touch based, all these different things. So you can actually see, oh, I'm 60% Mm -hmm. visual. I need to vary it up a bit. Um, so pro writing aid yeah. was very useful for a lot of my uh, earlier novels. The reason why yeah. I don't currently use it is just because a lot of the editing checks from it, I've sort of internalized within myself. So I don't need to like run it through this other software. Um, but yeah, I, that's I, a, I a good, ed- good editing software. Mm. Grammarly, no, I, Grammarly has come a long way too. Uh, some people that I know are swearing by the newer, the newer Grammarly, but those are editing, editing yeah. software. Yeah. Now I also use spreadsheets all the time. I oh, me too. Excel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Excel constantly to uh, sometimes for outlining, um, uh, and for also outlining. for, and also for I just yeah I'll put I'll just put in. Uh, it's easier it's easier to reorganize stuff because I number things and if I just change a number and hit sort it'll reorganize, um, and then uh, I also I just spent a bunch of time. Uh, not too long ago, putting together all these tables for my uh, Dragon Rider Magic System uh, military magic school um, books that I'm working on, that to put in all the ranks and the and the years and the school and what ranks. Yeah, I should probably do that for my super secret project <laughs> and, all, and all that kind of stuff. I'll send you what mine looks like, Rob. I might be helpful because well. at the moment yeah. I've just got like I've got a notepad somewhere. It's like, yeah. it's just like one of these. Because, this is, because this is I, good, yeah. yeah, and I have, you know, I have, na- I have names for the different classes. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people do that. Out. A lot of people are able to do that. And I just like, I'm so jealous. People that are able to just keep that shit in their head. It just I can do a degree, blows but when me away. Oh. Doing something like progression fantasy, where it's got all the different yeah. classes and the ranks and the powers. and Yes, oh, God. yes. And that's what I had to do. And it was different for different kinds of people and different kinds of dragons, too. Um, so I have all this. And then there's like the pairing. So they have a different rating and rank. And then then once you reach a certain thing and you graduate, you you become a certain class. So you're like, 
uh, you know, it's, it, you, you go from a night to this and this, but you have to have this rating and ranking to, it sounds really complicated. It is when you lay it out, but in the book, you don't want to just throw, it's not lit RPG. So you don't want all this, these tables of information. So you want to, <laughs> so you want to put like them pages in, of stats. So you want to, yeah. So you want to put them in, in, you know, just, just put them in the text and feed it along and people pick up on it really quick. If you read some progression fantasy. Um, and I learned a lot from reading, writing some of those other ones, but I had to do that in order to keep, well, uh, what rank would this guy be? And I just, I always have that open and I can just go look and go, okay, yeah, he's this rank, this class and has this level and has reached this level. Um, so also I think yeah, spreadsheets. Yeah. Spreadsheets. The other thing I use a spreadsheet for, and I've talked about this before is just tracking my daily word counts really keeps me motivated yeah. to, to see that. So tick um, and I think honestly, the best piece of writing software and Steve at King will disagree with me on this is notebooks, um, which you can't really see here, but like behind me, I've probably got about like, you know, 15 notebooks there with just different ideas in. Um, and I think the real merit of the notebook is like when you're writing something down longhand, there is a slight difference to, I think your cognition and your creativity that compared to typing it up on the computer. And I find often that if I'm just writing a little scene sketch down by hand, in my mind, it was three sentences. By the time I finished writing, it might be three pages. So there's just something about writing it down physically that extends the I idea and develops it. it. as well. Absolutely. Write, you know, yeah. I, I can have like a bit of dialogue in my head and I think, oh, that's really good. And if I don't write it down, I'll have forgotten it by the next day. Yes. But if I write it down, I don't even need to look at it again. It will stick in my head. Mm. Right. Yeah, right. I've barely looked at my notebook since I've written stuff down in it. But you're right. It just does help with the memory a lot. Um, yeah, I get, I've got all kinds of stuff like that. And sometimes I need to draw pictures um, yeah, and so yeah, for plans use illustration and stuff. software, but sometimes, sometimes I just have to, in order to be able to describe something like, you know, I, I was just messing around with different iterations of, uh, of a Kraken. <laughs> nice. Right. Oh, they're and, so cute. And uh, well, this one is cute. This one is going away. It's going to be much scarier than this. But I had to have that uh, so I can consistently describe, you know, what what the damn thing looks looks like. Um, and just for our to podcast to listeners, Dirk extent. is just showing a uh, drawing he did of a octopusy squid kraken Very, looking. It's thing. a kraken. That's it. Also, <laughs> just like fuck, how terrible are we at con uh, concise answers? Yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> this will be a yeah, two-parter, well, I think. We'll do yeah, one more question in this part, and then we'll do a, a second part of this. I think. Well, Jed, Jed at the la at after the la or at the end of the last one said we were kind of all over the place on that question. When are we not all over <laughs> the place on any question? If we were a cannon, the safest place to stand would be directly in front of our barrel because we missed the target a hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost made Rob do a spit take there. Oh, and on that note, uh, you should all read uh, Priest of Gallows by Pete McLean, and I'm not going to tell you why. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, does that... <laughs> Sorry, no, the cannon. Um, all right, so last question probably for this one, and then we'll do a second part. Uh, this one comes from Hugo, who is a 24-year-old Frenchman, French fan here. This is pretty cool. Awesome. Hugo, you're one year older than me, so this is pretty cool to have a follow up on the show. Um uh, he's saying he's, uh, I'll just paraphrase his question a bit because it's quite long. He's saying he's, he's working on his first fantasy story for a couple of months. Um, he's been developing the world and the plot in detail for four or five years. Um, and the thing is, he feels really deeply influenced by George R. R. Martin. Um, and I'll, I'll quote the rest of his question here. 
I do want to write about power and conflict, violence and injustice, death and insecurity. Uh, furthermore, I share with him the fact that all of my characters can die. Uh, none of them are safe. However, I feel like I'm writing my story kind of 25 years too late because A Song of Ice and Fire has already done all of this very well. So the first question, is it normal to feel like an imposter for wanting to write about quite similar themes to George R. R. Martin? And then the second question here is, um, this story feels too big to fit in only one book. So he plans on writing a trilogy to end the main plot. Um, so the second question there is, is this fine or can this be a problem to editors? So let's tackle that first one, you know. Is it normal to feel like an imposter for wanting to write about similar yes. things to George R. R. Yes. yes, yes, it's always, and it never goes away. No. I've talked to people who have written 25 books and it never goes away. And you also hear, you also, I love when I hear someone say, I'm starting a new book. I took a month off. I'm starting my new series and I don't remember how to do this. God, yes. <laughs> like every time, right? every time I what start a I, book, I'm I like, don't remember. What, what am I I've doing? I've lost it. Yeah. <laughs> how how yeah. do I write? Yeah. What no, seriously. How, how do I book? <laughs> and, and the imposter sy syndrome, I think, never goes away. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just you know, uh, yeah, constantly questioning, is this new? Is this an interesting idea? Yeah. Am I just copying something someone else has already done? Uh, and, and don't the, worry the about worry it. worry of, of writing something that's- Don't let it slow outdated. you down. Like Blackstone Heart literally is a book I tried to write in the mid nineties. Yeah. And yeah. then like, couldn't do it because writing was hard, you know, <laughs> and came back and just rewrote it from scratch you know 2017 or whatever that was like yeah. there was like a 27 year old idea before yeah. i actually got off my ass and wrote the damn thing like yes it's time had been and gone had i written that in like 94 95 when i first tried i'd be incredibly famous now yeah <laughs> you know and it doesn't mean that came second in the spiff bow so it just proves there's yeah. some gold in the past it does uh, you know i think he's probably taken into account it's it's his first book so mm. you know the, the chances are and this is a hard truth it's not going to be a masterpiece it's not going to you know set the world on fire it's it's your first book <clears throat> but you never know no you never know Thanks but you. like I, I i'm going somewhere with this somewhere where am i going uh no wait right the first book i the first full-length book I, I ever wrote was like hugely influenced by game of thrones by um a, you know a song of ice and fire but mostly by game of thrones um i never published it uh i got to the end of it it was planned to be a trilogy i got to the end of it and sort of like went okay i don't think this is good enough and i'm you know i've got an idea that i want to write in the same world which i think is better but I was hugely influenced by Game of Thrones and it shows throughout the entire book, both in the themes that I, I sort of like use, the, the, the setting, you know, even some of the names as well. Um, and it's like, I, I still wrote the, that, that book. I was still massively influenced. And even if you know, I never published it, that, that's by the by, I still wrote it. And it, it helped me cut my teeth in writing. It helped me improve. So, you know, it's your first book just write what you want to write whether or not it's too like game of thrones or george r, r. martin or whatever it doesn't matter you're you're going to write the book and you're going to learn to write while writing the book yeah yeah and if you've been world building well. for four or five years you've already fucked around too much stop yeah. just get writing no more world building stop fucking around write the book yeah that's a good point yeah. that's a good don't point. worry too much about the, and in the first draft don't worry too much about the world 
you have that work done. Mm. So just write the story and don't worry. It's like we were talking about. You can go back later and add in those nuances for how it's snowing. Um, you can go back and add in those nuances because you already know that stuff. And I think that you'll be amazed at how much of it just automatically seeps in without having to worry about it or fret over it. Um, just get the story out, what people say, what they're doing, not how they say it or how they're doing. Don't even worry about too much how they're saying it or how they're doing it. You can fix that later. Now, there are experienced authors I know who can write, sit down and write one draft, give it a quick proof and publish it. Mark um, Lawrence. But they've we've mentioned really, Mark Lawrence in well, this episode. And, <laughs> and, a lot, and a lot of indie authors too. Um, I can't do that. I'm a rewriter. Uh, I'm not a great writer. Um, I'm not even a great rewriter, but I'm a far better rewriter than I am a writer. Um, so yeah, just get it, get it down, get the story down and get it done then go back and worry about the other stuff since you've already done that much work. Yeah. Right into yeah. our podcast and get berated. <laughs> <laughs> We're like those people, um, those services where you, you like get them to call your phone and wake you up in the morning. That must Stop be like- fucking around. Bad. Yeah, that must yeah. be such a bad job. Um, yeah, yeah. Submit into, join our Patreon if you want us to publicly berate you. <laughs> I mean, um, to be honest, there, there are you. worse ones. We could name our podcast, You Should Be Writing. Which somebody yeah. has, I believe. Mer Lafferty. Yeah, um, that's a good podcast, actually. I would, I would recommend that. Um, one of the first writing advice podcasts out there. So Hugo did also have a second part of that question, which is that the story is too big to fit in one book. I think we should cut this episode here, <laughs> and then we'll do that in the second part of our listener questions. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you everybody for submitting your questions. Uh, if you want to send in a question to us, email that to wizardswarriorswords at gmail .com. Those go straight to me. I'll read it. Um, usually I'll try to like actually write back my own personal response and then also put it into our listener questions bank as well. So you kind of get two responses for the price of one. Um, depends like how long your question is and how you interesting four, I find the answer. Four responses. Um, price of four responses. Well, five technically because me twice and then, yeah, and then four on here. Um, also, if you want to help support the show, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wizards Warriors Words. Um, patrons generally get priority access for questions as well so thank you so much for listening or watching and we will see you next time bye everybody troll this episode is brought to you by our wonderful patrons if you would like to help support the show and get access to cool bonuses like free advanced reader copies of our new books feedback on your own writing ad free episodes and more please go to patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words you can also find the link to that in our show notes and as we end this episode, thank you to our special high-tier Patreon, Daniel Henderson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.